Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. I'm so glad that you're here today. I want you to know that I'm on vacation. I usually need a vacation about this time of year, and so thank you for the opportunity to be away. In my absence, Brandon Hayes is going to be preaching. I know that you love hearing him preach because you always tell me he's our university pastor right here at Southcrest. And so today as he comes to preach, I want you to smile, I want you to pray for him, and right now I want you to welcome him as he comes to preach God's Word. Good morning, church. Man, I'm excited. So grateful to Pastor David for another opportunity to preach and excited to be with you guys. Love y'all. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. We're continuing our series in Acts called Can't Stop, Won't Stop. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 5. We'll, we'll start in verse 12 here in a little bit. But Acts chapter 5, verse 12, if you would go ahead and turn there. And man, looking forward to what God is going to do this morning. And as you turn into Acts 5, I'm going to go ahead and Pray for us. <clears throat> God, we are so grateful to be uh, with your people, to be in your house. And Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity to study your word, to be challenged by your word, to be encouraged by your word. And God, I pray that you would just give us ears to hear what you have to say this morning, that you would speak to us. We know that your word is alive and powerful and um, the truth within it is alive and powerful. And so we can't wait to see what you're going to do. If you would, just take a moment with your head still bowed and eyes closed just to ask God to speak to you this morning. If you would also, uh, I'd appreciate it if you'd pray for me. <clears throat> you can pray for my throat too. <laughs> God, we love you and we are excited about what you're going to do this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we have a sound engineer here at the church. His name is Angel. He's, he's a great guy. And uh, Angel is one of those guys that is, is good at everything. He's just really talented. Don't you just have a hard time liking those people <laughs> when they're just, they're just good at everything? He, he really is. He's, he's kind of into all these kind of hobbies. And so one thing that Angel would do occasionally is go to, uh, to a pawn shop to see what he can get himself into. And so about two, a week or two before Christmas, he had gone to the pawn shop and uh, I ran into him in the worship and media offices uh, afterwards. And he said, bro, I have to tell you this story. You got to hear this story. I'm like, well, let's hear it. So he said, man, I went to this pawn shop today. And he said, I was on the back wall, uh, kind of checking some things out there at the back wall. And as I was looking, all of a sudden I noticed there was a disturbance. There was something going on up at the front. But he said, I just ignored it, kept my head down, doing what I was doing. And um, he said, the, the longer I stood there looking at this wall, the louder that this disturbance got, the more that I realized there was something going down at the cash register. And so at this point, it's getting loud enough. It's getting, the situation is getting irritable enough that he realizes he needs to pay attention. So he really turns around 
And he, he looks at the cash register and sees that there's the woman who's working the pawn shop at the cash register. There's a man that's causing the problem, kind of yelling at her. And he realizes that there are only two other people in the pawn shop and it's two other ladies. And so Angel at this point realizes he can't just ignore it. It's getting serious enough at the, at the cash register. He needs to go do something. So Angel walked over to the cash register uh, to engage with what was happening because it was getting a little volatile. And so Angel, you need to know this about Angel. Uh, Angel, he's about my size. So just a beast of a man, just, just, <laughs> just a very just big, strong guy. And so uh, you need to know that. But he goes up to this man and uh, so let's pretend here we're at the cash register. And he says, um, sir, what, what seems to be the problem here? And the man very agitated said, stay out of this kid. You don't have anything to do with this. Leave it alone. And, and Angel said, sir, I'm just, you, you're being really rude to the lady. And the, and the man said, stay out of it. So Angel at this point, I'm going, by the way, when Angel told me this story, I interrupted him at this point. I'm like, are you, is this a true story? He's like, I'm not joking, man. And so he, he said, at that point, I looked at the gentleman and he said, sir, you have two options. <laughs> it's always going to be good when you start having options, right? <laughs> so he said, option number one, you know, we're about a week or two from Christmas. You leave calmly, quietly, peacefully, and go back to your house. Leave this lady at the pawn shop alone, and you're going to have a great Christmas with your family. It's going to be wonderful. He said, option number two, I'm going to punch you in your face. <laughs> True story. And, and when I do that, she's going to call the police and the police are going to come and they're going to arrest you because you're the one causing this problem. And in a few weeks, I'm going to spend Christmas at home with my family while you're in jail. Those are your options. So the man at this point is irate. And he's like, well, let's go, man. Begins to take off his jacket or whatever. So Angel does the same thing. He realized, well, apparently this gentleman wants option two. So he begins to take off his jacket. Angel, it's like... Getting serious enough, he rears back. And about the time he rears back to punch this man, the man says, fine, whatever, forget it. I'm leaving. You guys are crazy. And leaves. And I'm, again, I lean in. I'm, Angel, are you lying to me? No, man, it's, it's true. And I said, Angel, no offense, but you and I are not exactly like big, intimidating guys. Like what was going through your head there? And he said, I don't know, man. I'm just feeling kind of feisty today. <laughs> And at that point, I realized the moral of the story is if you guys see Angel at church and he's in a feisty mood, don't mess with him because <laughs> you'll have two options very quickly. <laughs> now, I only tell you that story uh, to kind of prove to you, as weird as it may be, that everyone loves a good story, right? We all love a good story. Um, when, when pastor's preaching and he tells a story, you can't help but kind of lean in, right? Don't we all do that? when the story's being told, or if you're in class and the professor's telling a story or whatever, your teacher, you, you just kind of lean into whatever the story may be. You know who's a good storyteller is Danny Henderson. If you've not heard him tell a story, you need to hear him tell a story. So I love it. If we're at a team meeting and, and Danny thinks of a story, I mean, I'm like, let's hear it, right? Everybody loves a good story. Someone who knew that, it makes sense because he created us, is Jesus. Jesus, if you study his preaching, uh, he told stories very often. That's why I think we, we find his teaching in the gospels refreshing because there's so many stories. Even people that aren't Christians, that aren't believers, just love the story 
of the prodigal son, right? Just an incredible story. I think one uh, English professor said the, the greatest short story ever written, ever told. People love stories. Jesus knew that, and he used stories. As I've studied scriptures and the narratives in scripture, I mentioned this last week, but I really do believe the best way to understand narratives, the best way to understand a story is often to hear it in its natural story form. As uh, Western thinkers, we tend to want to break things up into points, but with a story, sometimes it's good just to hear a story, right? Like when you go to a movie, at the end of the movie, they don't say, in case you missed it, here are the five points, right? It's just like, it's just a good story. You with me? So what I'm going to do this morning is a little different. I've only done it, uh, gosh, twice with the college students in four years. Pastor David has done this occasionally, I think at Easter time. But this is, uh, I'm going to do this morning a first person narrative. Say, what does that mean? That means that I'm going to present the content of the text, text Acts 5, 12 through 42, as a person who lived it. Does that make sense? I was telling uh, Jack Louder before the service this morning that I was going to do that. And he said, Brandon, I have a question. Uh, you think they wore skinny jeans 2,000 years ago? <laughs> Jack, stay out of it. <laughs> so you can just use your imagination. C- clearly, I'm not, I'm not dressed for the part. Um, but yeah, I'm going to tell the story of someone who lived it. And so here's what I would invite you to do this morning. I really do hope that you have your copy of God's Word out and uh, that you'll kind of follow along. Hear me, I'm not quoting Acts 5, 12 through 42. So if you're trying to like word for word, you're going to be like, man, he is totally messing this up. (laughs) That's not what I'm doing. I'm just telling the story of the content of what's in Acts 5, 12 through 42. Y'all up for that? All right. Take a deep breath and uh, we'll we'll begin. (laughs) Whoa! Oh my goodness! Look at all of you. Man, oh my gosh, wait. 2,000 years later on the other side of the world and all these people. Wait, wait, let me. Some of you are Jesus followers. Is that true? Oh man, if Peter and the boys could see this, this is incredible. Well, okay, I should stop for a second. You're probably wondering who I am. I should introduce myself. My name is John. John the Apostle, not... Not John the Baptist. John the Baptist, remember Herod? Too soon. Sorry, John. Um, Yeah, so not John the Baptist, John the Apostle. If you're not familiar with me, uh, maybe remember me, I wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation. And hey, if if you haven't read those, I won't take it personal. I won't be offended. But seriously, you should read them, okay? Like the Holy Spirit inspired them. They're really good. If you're not familiar with me from that, maybe you're familiar with a painting, a, a little painting that a man named Leonardo da Vinci painted uh, called The Last Supper. Now, let me be clear. We look nothing like the men in that picture, <laughs> not even close. But in that picture, in that painting, I was the man leaning on, on the shoulder of Jesus. Me and Jesus, we're, we're pretty close. We're pretty tight. Now, anyways, the you may be wondering why I'm here this morning, what, is, what it is that I want to talk to you about. Well, I want to tell you one of my most favorite stories from the book of Acts. See, God was doing amazing things in Acts. And I think that this story will help explain to you why when I arrived, I said that I was amazed, but I wasn't necessarily surprised to see you this morning. 
See, this story began at a time when God was doing incredible things, phenomenal things. God is always doing phenomenal things. But in the book of Acts, in the early church, it was phenomenal at a whole nother level. People were being saved all the time, rapidly. Sometimes thousands of people coming to Christ in, in one sitting, in one service. People were being healed. It was phenomenal. There was such really hype around what Jesus was doing that in some ways, people were kind of scared to come be a part of what God was doing because they weren't quite sure what to do with it. But in another way, you couldn't keep people from coming. Even people that hadn't believed in Jesus were wanting to come and see what this Jesus movement was all about. Man, we were all so excited. Everyone was so excited. Well, when I say everyone, I don't literally mean everyone. <laughs> See, there was this man in Jerusalem, you may have heard of him, called the high priest. And he was not a big fan of Jesus or the followers of Jesus. And something you may remember if you're familiar with the story that my friend Luke recorded in Acts is that Peter and myself had already been arrested once. And when we were arrested, uh, the high priest had ordered us to not speak in the name of Jesus ever again, to keep our mouths shut. And surprise, surprise, guess what we did? We just went right back to preaching or white back to preaching. <laughs> well, so when the high priest heard that we were doing this again, and that people were being saved and people were being healed, he was not happy. He was furious. And so he had us arrested. Now something, you know, because we had been in prison already, we weren't terribly afraid of being in prison because we'd already experienced that once. But something happened that night that was terrifying yet amazing. As we... Me and Peter and the boys were in there praying some, singing some, just talking. All of a sudden, we became incredibly or maybe terribly aware of a power greater than us, much bigger than us, much more majestic than us. Do you know what it was? It was an angel. <laughs> and as much as I would like to tell you that we were men and we were not terrified of the angel. We did what everyone else in scripture did when they encountered an angel. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is going on here? We were terrified. We screamed like a bunch of little girls. We were so scared. Finally, the angel got us calmed down. And thank God this angel was for us and not against us. And this angel had a plan. He said he was going to let us out of the prison. Now we were to go back to the temple and start preaching again, preaching about the new life, the real life that we had in Jesus. See, the next morning, we went back to the temple and started preaching. And I realized it may seem crazy given those, given those circumstances to be arrested, put in prison, and then just go right back to what we were doing. But let me tell you, when an angel shows up in your prison and tells you to do something, you do it. <laughs> so that's what we did. Now, the next part of the story, as crazy that was, as that was, the next part of the story may be getting where it's even better, more my favorite part of the story. I wasn't there for this particular part, but uh, my buddy told me about this. So the next morning, we're preaching in the temple, and the high priest gathered his, count, his council because they were going to question us, interrogate us about what had been going on. So he gathered everyone 
very angry, agitated that we had been preaching again. And he sent the guards to go to the prison to get us. So the guards went all big and bad to the prison to go get us. But guess what? As you know, when they got there, we weren't there. <laughs> Old have seen the look on their faces of, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so the guards went back to the high priest. And you can imagine the frustration building as the high priest and his council saw the guards were coming back, but not with us. <laughs> the high priest said, uh, guards, where are, the, where are the men that we arrested? And you can imagine the guards being like, see what had happened was we don't know. <laughs> They were, they were clueless. Man, I wish I could have seen just the confusion and the frustration on their faces as they realized they weren't quite as in control as they thought they were. Where did, where did these men go? Finally, as they were, the council was standing there confused, a little bit dazed of where did these men go, wondering what had happened, a man ran into the council and said, excuse me, Mr. High Priest, you, you know the men that were preaching in the name of Jesus? Uh-huh. You know the men that you told not to preach in Jesus' name, but kept on preaching, so you're arrested again? Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know those men that you had in prison for the night? Uh-huh. Well, they're back in the temple and they're preaching again. <laughs> Man, my buddy said that the high priest was infuriated. Just what is going on? So then the guards went back to the temple to arrest us. And this time, they weren't quite as big and bad as they were the first time. Because one, they weren't sure what was going on. And second of all, by this time, there was kind of a mass of people following us. Not really following us. They were following Jesus. They were being changed by what the Holy Spirit was doing. It's interesting. The high priest, as angry as he was, part of it, he was just jealous. We knew that God was at work. But to the high priest, he was jealous of the hype that was happening around the name of Jesus. That's why I wanted to crush it. Anyways, the guards that came, they got us and the mass of people was following us back to the council and we got back to the council. Let me tell you, when we walked into that council, we could see it on the high priest's face. He was not happy. This was not going to be good. I rested one night right back to what we'd been doing. And he was still wondering how we got out of prison. The tension, you could just cut. It was so thick. The high priest said, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you are insistent on placing the blood of Jesus on us. Ooh, man, they were filled with anger. But let me tell you what, we were filled with the Holy Spirit. So we spoke up boldly and we said, listen, high priest, we have to obey God and not man, which is, which is you, by the way, right? We're going to obey God and not man. You crucified Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. He is our leader. He is our savior. And he will save and forgive those who repent and turn from their sins. Man, we were being bold, but it was like the bolder we got, the more that their anger just boiled up. The high priest said, enough. It was good that we were ready to meet Jesus because we thought we were fixing to. <laughs> he had had it. As bold as we were, it, was, it got quiet because they had killed Jesus a little over 40 days before that moment. And they were fixing to kill us. 
And it wasn't just that they were talking if they should kill us. Right in front of us, with us in the room, they were discussing how they were going to kill us. How are we going to kill these fools to shut them up? And then something happened that I'll never forget. And something that I would say can only be explained by God. There was a man named Gamaliel in the council. He wasn't a fan of Jesus. He wasn't a fan of us, but he was a wise man. He was respected by the people. He was kind of, you could say, a shrewd politician because he knew how to make both parties happy. He kind of calmed the council down. He had an idea. He asked the guards to take us out of the council and then he spoke up. He said, look, They've got a mass of people following them, really following Jesus. So we need to be careful here. We don't need to act too rashly. And then he taught them a little bit of Jewish history. He said, look, even recently, there have been two leaders who had pretty incredible followings. But when the leaders died, shortly after that, their, their followings came to nothing. They just, they just fizzled out. What he was implying was that because they had already killed Jesus, if the council would just be patient and wait, that the followers of Jesus would just, would just come to nothing, that it would just kind of fizzle out because the leader had been killed. Seemed like a good plan to the group of just be patient, let it fizzle out, it'll come to nothing. And then Gamaliel said something perhaps truer than he had ever said before, whether he realized it or not. He looked at the council and said, if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it'll fail. But if it is of God, you won't be able to overthrow them. Amen. You may even be found to be opposing God. Yes! Whether Gamaliel realized it or not, that was the truth. More profound than he realized. And that's why, like I said earlier, even though it is 2,000 years later, we're on the other side of the world in a place I hear is amazing called Texas. Way over here, I'm not surprised, but I am amazed to see you here. Because what Gamaliel said was true. That the Jesus movement, the gospel, is not a man-made movement. It is not driven by men or women. It is not dependent on men or women. It is driven by God himself. The Jesus movement, the gospel, is a God-sized movement that can't be stopped. Amen. <laughs> Man, had the council realized that, they probably wouldn't have done what they did. But what they did, they called us back in. They liked Gamaliel's idea of just letting it fizzle out. So they, they called us back in and they again threatened us. Don't ever, ever speak in the name of Jesus. And this time they took it a step further. They had us beat and then sent us on our way to keep our mouths shut with our, and go lick our wounds essentially. And you know what we did as we left? We were rejoicing, not because we're weird and crazy and like being hit. No, that was terrible. I feel like I can still feel it sometimes if I think about it. No, we were rejoicing because we had been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. 
And Jesus had warned us, hey, when you follow me, people are going to persecute you. But listen, he told us, blessed are you when others persecute you and revile you and speak all kinds of evil about you because great is your reward in heaven. See, to us, suffering for Jesus was completely worth it. So we left rejoicing. And you know what we did once we kind of recouped from our wounds? Guess what we did? We just went back out and started preaching again. <laughs> man, we just went right back to it. That may, that may seem crazy to you guys. But listen, first of all, we again remembered we were going to obey God and not man. But not only that, we realized that we were getting to be part of what God was doing. That Jesus was telling the truth when he said that he would be with us. And because he would be with us, we would be on the offensive. And the gates of hell couldn't stop what God was doing. We were going to be part of God advancing his kingdom. Look, when we realized who Jesus is, when we realized that he had called us to be his witnesses, when we realized that the Holy Spirit was in us to empower us to live for him, to be bold for him, and more than that, when we realized that this movement that we were part of was what God was doing and not just what we were doing, we couldn't help but say, we can't stop and we won't stop. That was our story. What's yours? Back to Brandon. <laughs> thought of a way to do that better. I just can't think of one. Sorry. I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> hey, I, don't, I don't want to take away from, from that moment or the story. Um, isn't that story incredibly humbling? We were, we were kind of joking, um, joking, not joking about this morning. Like I normally park way out in the back corner anyways, but uh, this morning I had to take a little different path, a little different entrance. And, you know, maybe you're like me, perhaps feeling a little sorry for yourself. We're back there in the, in the room talking before the service and thinking about, you know, how, man, this parking lot's just messed up our Sunday. And then realizing how ridiculous does that seem compared to what these guys were doing? Amen. Like, silly. <laughs> Here's what I want us to see and, and uh, what I need to see. We have the same opportunity. We have the chance to be part of the same movement that those guys and gals were part of. <laughs> Amen? The movement of the gospel going to the world. Really, how, isn't it, isn't it amazing? Jesus was a Jewish carpenter, essentially a homeless man in his ministry. And yet 2,000 years later on the other side of the world, here we are with a room full of people worshiping Jesus. <laughs> It wasn't just a man-made thing. This is a movement of God. So the question is up to us. We have the opportunity. Are we going to be okay with like an Americanized, tame version of Christianity? Or are we going to start being bold and realizing that God is doing things in our world? Are we going to be distracted by our own shortcomings? Are we going to be distracted by our own imperfections? Are we gonna be distracted by the, the pleasures that the world has to offer? Or are we gonna see that we can be a part of something bigger, a part of the movement of the gospel going to the world? It, it's really up to us. 
Look, this is not just some man-made religious fad. And our leader is not just some random dude. Our leader is God himself. (laughs) And we get to be on mission with him. This is not just hype. This is the hope of the world. This is not just religion. This is about a relationship with God. And we get to tell other people how to have a relationship with God. He invites us to be on mission with him in that. How cool is that? And when we realize that, that we get to be on mission with him, it, it changes everything. <laughs> One, it changes the way I spend time in God's word. Now it's not just a little checklist. No, I get to spend time with the God of the universe who is doing something in our world, who's, who's on mission and, and he's inviting me to be on mission with him. It changes the way that when I go into work, no matter where you work, you have a purpose to be a part of God's kingdom work, <laughs> to be a part of what he's doing. So now it's not just another day at the office or wherever. No, you're part of the mission of God. That by the way, again, can't be stopped. <laughs> when you go to your class, you're not just with random people in your class. No, those are people that God wants you to do life with, to be on mission with, or either for or with. <laughs> it changes everything. I want to, I because I have time, um, I want to take a moment to tell you about, I should have grabbed the book out of my office, I forgot. I want to tell you about um, oops, a practical tool that I can give you or that's available to you. So we, don't, we never want a sermon to be just hype. We want it to be helpful. And when I think about being on mission with God, being part of his movement, being aware that he is advancing the gospel forward and, and invites me to live on mission with him in a way that can't be stopped. One of the greatest tools that I've found, I don't know what happened here. Sorry, my iPad's not working. Um, is called Operation World. There, there's an app you can use or there's a book, uh, Operation World. And they're really the same thing, just one is in an app form and one is in a book form and they're both great. But what Operation World does, this team of people, they literally have gone to every nation in the world and seen what God is doing there. And so they've got the statistics on the different religions there, uh, kind of a history of how God has worked there. And, it, and then it invites you to pray for those nations. One thing I love about the app is it just automatically, when you pull it up, it updates to that day. So like yesterday I got to pray for Indonesia. Um, so you not only read about what God is doing, you get to pray. And I believe that prayer works, amen? You can be a part of what he's doing. Man, how cool would it be if our whole church said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna and you don't have to use Operation World, but if we just said, we're gonna start praying for what God is doing here and around the world, because we believe God is at work and that he can't be stopped. <laughs> And one of the other things I love about that, um, that tool is when I'm praying about what God is doing around the world and, and wanting to be part of it, it just stirs my heart to be part of what God is doing right here in the good old LBK. <laughs> that man, God is at work and I wanna be part of it. And I, you kind of get this different kind of boldness. And I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but like this different kind of swagger, if you're younger, you know what I mean there? when you realize that you're part of a movement that God is pushing, it's dependent on God, it's driven by God and it can't be stopped. All of a sudden, when you go to engage with people for the gospel, you have a different kind of boldness. Amen? What if we, what if Southcrest was a church that said, God, we wanna be a church 
we want to be a generation that says, we want to be part of what you're doing. We want to be part of your movement. God, wherever you lead me, whatever you t- wherever you take me, whatever it costs me, I'm all in. God, because I, I want to say that I can't stop and I won't stop because God, I know that you won't stop pursuing people and loving people and saving people. I want to be a part of a movement like that. And you can we're going to have a brief time of response as Jerry and the folks come out. Um, and as we respond, maybe this morning you would say, hey, hey, I don't know Jesus. And maybe you would say, I've never thought about it. But yeah, there seems to be some evidence that this is a God thing and not just a human thing based on just the fact that here we are 2,000 years later on the other side of the world. So maybe this morning you, you realize that you need Jesus. You realize that he died for you that rose again to offer you forgiveness and hope and life. This morning, we, we want to invite you to know him. And you don't have to talk to someone about that, but we'd encourage you to. They'd love to pray with you and maybe answer some questions. So in a moment when we sing, uh, there'll be some pastors down front, some, some friends down front that would love to help you, love to pray with you. Maybe, maybe you're like me <laughs> and just realize, I, I want to be bolder. I want to have a can't stop, won't stop attitude that is driven by the fact that I realize I'm part of the mission, the movement of God that can't be stopped. So maybe where you're at, you just need to pray that God would again instill a boldness in your heart and a desire to be part of what he's doing, not just what Southcrest is doing, but what he's doing. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment Or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.